0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show,
2: streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at uh, michaeldukeshow.com where you'll find the links to the podcast and to the social media sites and, of course, to the audio-only live stream, which is up and running right now. Uh, Also, of course, across the state of Alaska on uh, uh, this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Welcome to Tuesday. It is beautiful. It is beautiful, man. It's beautiful. It's Tuesday. There are no tacos. Although, man, I could really go for some bacon tacos right now. Uh, it is uh, it is Tuesday, which means that it is the Tuesday Top 3. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets is going to be joining us on the program today. And we are going to be listening to him uh, talk about a couple things. His big three today <clears throat> is the lack of fiscal plan. I should turn that on. Lack of fiscal plan uh, here in the state. Um, and uh, the other thing that's always missing from the stories on K-12, through the K-12 issue. And then finally, apparently, um, Brad's got a little bit of an issue. He's going to take the Alaska policy form to the woodshed and ask him some questions. Like, what could you be thinking? <laughs> Uh, Anyway, it's going to be fun stuff. So that's going to be the weekly top three today with Brad Keithley, uh, where we're going to dissect and discuss and talk about and beat down and massage and fluff up and uh, we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to, it's, it's the beatings will continue until morale improves. That's what's going to be happening. Um, So that's going on in the weekly top three uh, this week uh, in the first hour. In hour two, we will... Probably rehash some of the things that we went over with Brad. And I will give you my full hot take on the on uh, on the on the discussion. And um, then we'll be joined by Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to come in and uh, give us our weekly positivity boost. I have no idea what Chris is going to talk about. I normally don't. Heck, half the time when I get done talking to him, I have no idea what we talked about. But I feel better. Right. I feel better. No, it's 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 I need that. I need that weekly positivity boost that, um, you know, that that's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So um, <clears throat> that's the show for today. We'll finish up probably with some phone calls. If I can make the stupid phone system work properly without everybody getting, you know. It's gotta be it's gonna be good. Um all right. So uh where do we wanna start? Where would we like to start in uh in all the stuff that we want uh, to be able to uh, uh in all the stuff that we wanna be able to do it? Uh we maybe we should start off with this story from David Boyles over at Must Read Alaska, who has got um I mean, he nails it in just the headline of this uh of this article that he uh wrote and contributed to must read Alaska education industry wants your p f d but will our graduates even be able to read their diplomas? <laughs> I mean this is ow ow. Um, You know, and he goes over the whole mantra and everything that we've been seeing, including the BSA has been flat funded since 2017, which is actually it's that's not even true. I mean, the base, you know, the base has been flat funded. BSA has been flat funded since 2017. That's not even the uh, Alaska Beacon has an article out talking about a head of education funding bills. Supporters of Alaska public schools pitched their case and they go on to say. The Alaska legislature hasn't increased the public school funding formula known as the base student allocation since 2016, but has intermittently improved one time. But that's not true. It is. It went up 4%. Now, maybe that's not the 17% that they wanted, but it, it did get it. See, this is the thing. It's like these little lies of omission that you hear all the time. I mean, if you were journalists who were unbiased, you would at least admit that it has gone up just not to the level to which supporters want. Right. I mean, that's it because it has increased. It has been, I mean, it has been anyway, sorry. I sidebarred there for just a second. Uh, Anyway, the, uh, he goes on to talk about how um, the uh, talk about how, the base student allocation, um, you know, that is set for an increase and what's going on. And then he talks a little bit about educational outcomes and everything else. This is a fantastic uh, article from uh, David Boyle. So you should probably go read it uh, over at Must Read Alaska. I will drop a link into the chat room so that you could take a look at it yourself and seeing what's What's going on? And of course, we I, I didn't even I didn't even mention I didn't even mention the fact that the BSA really is about bolstering overhead. It's not like that money gets directly into this into the classrooms, right? I mean, that money is mostly about overhead, taking care of administrators and 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 you know, costs and things like that. It's not money that's getting directly into the classroom. In fact, what was it, Sarah Vance? It said something like only forty-six percent of every dollar going into the school system actually makes it into the classroom. I mean, when you've got fifty-four percent of your overhead or fifty-four percent of your budget being eaten up by overhead, you 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 may want to um, you may want to talk about that. You just might want to do it. Uh, talk about landing on your feet. Um it, 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 Heidi Dragus who was of course the former commissioner of labor and workforce development under Governor Bill Walker and her for and his former running mate for this last gubernatorial race has now become the leader of the Democratic uh executive director for the Alaska uh, state employees union Um <clears throat> yeah You know, it's, it's, it's good. It's, she's the, you know, good to know that no matter what happens, you can always land on your feet and get that job you wanted. Slurping off the governmental teat all over again. I mean, it's just good, good, good on you. Good, good for you. Good for you. And then uh, Kevin McCabe, our friend, Kevin McCabe, uh, well, our, our friend and my exalted representative uh, has got an opinion piece in Must Read Alaska, talking about defined benefits, and um, he goes on to uh, he goes on to basically break down break it down, Barney style, for all of us uh, out here in the world. I mean, this is a kind of a rehash of a lot of the things we talked about yesterday. But this is a great piece for those who are foolish enough not to listen to the Michael Duke show to get all the details on this. And in fact, he goes into some discussions uh, about, um, you know, to, uh, about other places that have been uh, damaged and injured by the uh, defined benefits program. To score out of bankruptcy in 2014, Detroit politicians cut existing defined benefit pensions by almost 5% and eliminated other benefits entirely. Some benefit loss was even retroactive. retirees had to give money back as well as pay for health care plans. Now, the problem here in the state of Alaska is that we basically have a clause in our Constitution that says that those contracts with state employees essentially become constitutional amendments. That you cannot, you're breaking the Constitution if you break faith in the defined benefits. So we wouldn't be able to do like Detroit did. Or Rhode Island in 2011, they realized that they had saved only 56% of the money needed to fund Rhode Island's pension promises, their defined benefit plan. To avoid the disaster, they spent four years overhauling the state defined benefit plans. Retirees past and future lost uh, some of their uh, supposedly defined benefits. Benefits. Now, of course, again, we can't do that here in the state of Alaska because of that stupid clause in our Constitution. Uh, Defined benefits pensions are sometimes called the golden handcuffs. They penalize people who switch employees too soon. Uh, But they also are the golden handcuffs for the state because we are locked in no matter what. Uh, Again, you can go out and read this uh, piece from uh, Kevin McCabe uh, over at Must Read Alaska as well. So there's just a few of the, a few of the bullet points on the headlines that I want to hit you guys with this morning, uh, and yes, I have not had my coffee yet. So just in case you were wondering, that's uh, that's how it all that's how it all gets down. Um, and what was the final piece that I wanted to talk about? Um, oh well, I guess I'll talk about this. This is the uh, this is the this is my good news segment for today. Uh, from KTUU. Alaskans are once again making their presence known on the national culinary scene. Three chefs and one restaurateur have received uh, the nominations for the James Beard Foundation Award this last week, uh, according to Lail Fairbairn, the uh, managing member for Snow City Cafe, Spinnard Roadhouse, South Road uh, South Restaurant, and Coffee House and Crush Bistro. Uh, said Alaska in general is a lot more cosmopolitan from the aspects of. Uh, we uh aspects if we like quality. Well, we've seen other places and we've chosen to live here because of how beautiful it is. For Renee Trafton, chef and owner of the Beak restaurant in Sitka, the nomination for Best Chef has been a career goal. Uh, she said the quality of ingredients play a part. She said the fish here is the best in the world. I'm really passionate about cooking fish. Over the years, I've been in the business since 2017. I've Cultivated relationships with fishermen, and that's really fantastic because I can get like the I can get like the highest quality fish. Fi- Sorry, the way that this person they literally wrote this uh, from a direct quote, and it's like I've like cultivated relationships with fishermen, and that's really fantastic because I get like the highest quality fish with not much difficulty. You Know what I mean? I mean, I love it. I love it. Congratulations to her, by the way. Second year in a row, Chef Nathan Bentley and Altura Bistro in Anchorage have been nominated in the Best Chef category as well. He said it feels amazing. It really does. Born and raised in Anchorage, Bentley went through UAA's culinary program to get his start. Bo Schuler, chef and co-owner of In Boca Alupo in Juneau, says that although his name is on the award, it's a team effort. We've got a really good staff here. We've got a really good front house that makes people feel welcome whenever they walk in. So i got to say, just a good team effort. Fairbain, who's nominated for Outstanding Restaurant Tour, was putting together the business plan for Snow City Cafe 25 years ago. She felt Anchorage was underserved in the restaurant market. But not anymore. They've got a wide variety of restaurants. So they'll find out at the end of March whether or not they won any or all of the awards. So congratulations to four Alaskan chefs Nominated for the James, the prestigious James Beard Award That's a little piece of good news for people Non-political Because everybody has to eat Everybody likes to eat I definitely like to eat I mean, come on, seriously All right, we gotta go uh, Brad Keithley coming up and joining us Another man who likes to eat Well, sometimes I mean, you know let's uh let's continue we got more coming up the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Okay. Okay. Sorry, I just accidentally killed something that I wasn't supposed to kill. I mean, not kill, but closed. You know what I mean? I wouldn't actually kill something. That would be inhuman and cruel. Now, what am I saying? It doesn't matter. All right. Um. Well, come on. Come back to me. Come back to me. Yes, right there. There it is. Got it. All right. Damn, son. It is all going on Tuesday morning. You ready to go? I see that uh, Brad is thoughtfully stroking his jaw in the green room, wondering why he continues to come on this program. Because, my God, he could do better things with his morning than come on here. To which I say, Poppycock, best use of your time ever. Best use of your time ever. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing?
1: Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you?
2: You know, not too bad. Not too not too bad. I see we're both sweatshirted up with some of our favorite things. So, I mean, you know, what's it, it you know, what is this? Casual Tuesdays? I mean, <laughs> what the heck, man.
1: This this is it's chilly in the morning, Tuesday. Yeah.
2: It's not it's not now. I grabbed it this morning. I looked at it and went, that feels about right this morning. So All right.
1: So, are you going to are you going to fire your producer for, you know, killing things? Yes, I'm going
2: to fire him and then rehire him immediately because there's nobody else to do the job. Gonna fire him and scold him and then you know he'll be rehired with extra pay. That's the thing. Every time I rehire him, he's got to get more pay. So try not to fire him too much. Um, Anyway, no. How's uh, how's life? uh, How's life treating you, Mister Keithley? What's happening in your neck of the woods?
1: Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm down visiting my mother. I I come back to Alaska next week, but I'm down visiting my mother and but it's it's cold down here. It's like 8 degrees or 7 degrees. Oh man, it's morning. like it's like the, what's
2: what's the what's the old thing say here? It's 29 degrees here. What is you're in the wrong neck of the woods. What the <laughs>
1: what, heck? What am I what am I doing? I'm I'm backwards here. Yeah, backwards. Maybe, Maybe I'm the problem, not the temperature. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. Maybe the problem is Brad is following bladder. Stay down there, Brad. You don't need to come home yet. It's fine. That's fine. Well, I hope your mom is well, and uh, I hope that uh, uh, everything continues to go well here. Uh, I've been reading your stories, uh, uh, reading the stories that uh, we've been discussing back and forth, and then, of course, the ones for the weekly top three today. i got to say... Uh, I I have been in the past a fan of James Brooks. I thought he was a pretty decent journalist, although not as always as balanced as I'd like to see. But this piece on education, I just got to tell you, there are so many things that are I mean, it's almost become blatant advocacy journalism at this point. It's it's really frustrating and disappointing.
1: For a long, for a long time, I thought the issue was the editorial, the, the 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 edit process that they go through at the ADN. That that some of the things were being taken out in that edit process, or being being directed in that edit process. But it's still showing up now that he's moved over to the Beacon. It's still showing up in the Beacon, and maybe that's yeah. Kitchenman that's that's still directing the edit edit process editorial process. But it's I mean, there's some gaps in here. You you will focus on different things than I do um, in this story, but there's some. Huge gaps in here that I I think is is doing a disservice to Alaskans.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, it, just uh, again, the the first falsehood that immediately caught my eye down in the I don't know second or third paragraph, where uh, it basically says they haven't increased the public school funding formula, the BSA, since 2016. That but they have increased it now. Maybe not as much as people want. I mean, it was whatever it was a. Six per five percent, six percent. They just wanted seventeen or twenty percent, uh, and so they're acting like nobody. Like the 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 person, the casual observer who's not been following this, would look at this and go, "Oh my God, they have an increased education." 2016. How do we do that? And yet again, we had Sarah Montalbano on from uh, APF, and she's talking about it's, it's since two thousand and uh, whatever it was, two thousand six. 35% increase in education funding since 2006. 35%. That's uh it's hard to swallow. I'll be just I'll just say that was the most glaring thing to me. Sorry I didn't give you a chance to respond but we're coming up on it. So <laughs> Your Hold show. On. I know, I know. It shouldn't be. Here we go. The Michael Duke show. we're continuing now brad keithley from alaskans for sustainable budgets uh, comes on board every tuesday to go over the what we call the the tuesday the top three weekly top three Uh, and uh, he comes on to give us that today we're going to talk a bit about well we're going to talk a bit about the lack of fiscal plan there is no fiscal plan where is it uh, the thing that's always missing from the K through 12 stories uh, that you hear in the newspaper, and he's got a bone to pick with the Alaska policy forum, which hopefully we'll get to here near the end of the uh, morning broadcast. Brad Keithley uh, joins us uh, right now. In fact, he's already in the chat room, hanging out with me. Good morning, Brad. How are you doing,
1: Michael? I'm doing great today. How about you?
2: Uh, you know what? I'm not. I'm not doing too bad. All right. So let's. Um, let's, let's jump in with, I mean, just deep, deep end with both feet. There is no fiscal plan. Brad, where, where's the, where's the fiscal plan, Brad? Where is it? We're, we're looking for it. Help me. Where's Waldo. Where's I'm looking for the guy with
1: the striped shirt and the glasses. Where's Waldo somewhere out there. So let's step back just sort of a half a step to when the governor released his budget last December and, and along with the budget, the governor releases the 10-year plan and the 10-year plan is there to tell us to inform alaskans about what the governor sees what the administration sees going forward how it's going to balance the budget what it's going to be spending on where the revenues are going to come from how the state is going to is going to proceed and in the 10-year plan the governor uh the administra- the the administration showed that there were huge holes uh in the in the budget showing huge deficits uh, building to 900 million dollars, nearly a billion dollars, uh, in the sp- in less than five years, um, and that uh, without without additional revenues, uh, there were going to be you know these these huge deficits requiring some form of of you know uh, ad hoc uh, uh, supplemental revenues to to deal with the situation. The Governor had a plan though. The plan was we're going to have new revenues from carbon offsets carbon offsets and carbon sequestration. And these new revenues are going to be beginning this year. This is this is the 10 year plan. I'm not making this stuff up in the 10 year plan this year. It was going to be 300 million dollars next year. FY 25. Well, this coming fiscal year, FY 24 was going to be 300 million dollars. The, the fiscal year after that, 500 million dollars. The fiscal year after that, FY 26, uh, 750 million dollars. And then by FY 27, within the five within five years we were going to be at 900 million dollars and we were going to stay at 900 million dollars through the remainder of the of the ten-year plan and that's how we were going to, that's how we're going to plug the hole. that's why we don't need to talk about other new revenues that's why we de- don't need to talk about spending cuts that's why we don't need to talk about anything else because we've got these revenues that are going to come in and plug the hole And that was the governor's story in December. well fast forward now to, Uh, The introduction of the bills that are to implement uh, these two types of of carbon management, uh, the carbon sequestration uh, and uh, and the carbon offsets. Um, And here's what and and, and when you introduce a bill that has fiscal implications, you have to you have to accompany it with a fiscal note. And the fiscal note talks about both the anticipated costs and the anticipated revenues uh, from the plan. So here is what the governor says uh, about the uh, carbon offset program, about the the trees program, using you know setting aside forests uh, and trees right. to as a as a source of, of carbon um, offset revenue. And this is this is from the revenue section. Revenues are not specifically estimated because of the market and timeline uncertainty for carbon offset markets. After legislative enactment, the department assumes that programs stand up and initial project solicitations would occur during uh, calendar year 23 and 24. Project development is estimated to begin in calendar year 23 and 20, 24 and 25. It is possible that initial leasing revenues could occur after enactment based on market response, but the size of these revenues is currently indeterminate. Current approximations for voluntary carbon offset projects have a development timeline of at least 18 months before generating credits and thus the first credits from projects could begin to accrue in calendar year 25, 26 and 27 or 27 based on uh, when they are they are initiated by market participants. The carbon offset program proposed by legislation could potentially fund future program expenses, potentially fund future program expenses and require revenue from the program and and require revenue from the program to cover its costs. So. Remember, three hundred million dollars <laughs> next year—the ten-year plan. Three hundred yeah. million dollars next year. No, nothing else going on in the ten-year plan to cover these deficits. Three hundred million dollars, ten-year next year. Uh, uh, Five hundred million dollars, seven hundred fifty million dollars, nine hundred million dollars uh, by calendar by fiscal year twenty-seven. None of those numbers. None of those numbers appear uh, in this particular part uh, of the budget. In this particular part of the carbon management plan. Um, and revenues are not specifically estimated because of the, of the market and timeline uncertainty. Carbon sequestration, using the uh, the uh, uh, reservoirs in the Cook Inlet to inject uh, carbon uh, and, and sequester it, uh, take it out of the atmosphere or take it potentially from entering the atmosphere and, and sequestering it underground. This is what the administration has to say about this. Revenue potential is uncertain at, at this stage. Um, while the 45 q credit, this is talking about federal legislation, while the 45 Q credit will reduce the state's corporate income tax collection because the state tax code adopts by reference to the federal tax code. there are numerous fees, penalties, and other charges that will generate the revenue necessary to administer this new program. Additionally, there is potential for the state to monetize carbon inject potential for the state to monetize carbon injection from other jurisdictions for a fee once the program is underway. For these reasons, and because obtaining a Class Six prim- primacy from, envir- from the Environmental Protection Agency will take time, the Department of Revenue cannot say within an acceptable margin of error where, when, what the ultimate revenue potential will be at this stage, or when. So, we, we've got we've got a 10-year plan that's entirely, entirely, entirely dependent on on this revenue stream right. balance. Right. To avoid PFD cuts, to avoid um, uh, deficits that take additional savings, to avoid uh, all sorts of things, entirely dependent on these revenues, and but when push comes to shove, when revenue has to face fess up and talk about what the revenue potential is, it's like I don't, I, I don't know, I don't. It, revenues are we going to get revenues out of these
2: well it's like it's like december they released a fictional bestseller right here it is here's what it is it's going to be great it's going to be bells and whistles and all this and then they come down to actually game day and here's your plan and it's like well it might make money sometime maybe down the road it might be but you said in December. But I know. But it's maybe. It's might be. Um, carbon offset is the new cryptocurrency for the government. Harold is not wrong in this instance. That is true. I mean, that's
1: kind of like the whole deal. How much is it going to be? Nobody knows. There's there's this huge disconnect. In in all honesty, between the governor who 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 will not mention taxes, who will not mention alternative revenues, huge disconnect between the governor. Who has, you know, this this pie in the sky story about how we're going to solve everything. And revenue, who's charged with actually, you know, on the ground coming up with defensible numbers that they can defend in front of the in front of the legislature. And revenue, who, you know, says, wait, 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 wait. You want us to put revenues on the on the numbers on the on the table? We can't do that. Right. And, and it's way, it's way out in the future and it's indeterminate, and I don't know. So what 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 the governor is setting up, the fiscal plan that the governor has set up is PFD cuts. No alternative revenues, no the 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 reality of these carbon management fees, you know, blown apart by his own revenue department. The only thing that's remaining that the legislature has gone to time after time after time, the only thing remaining is PFD cuts. So so the governor who 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 tells us all's well in the world you know it's a it's a great day for Alaska. We've got all of these revenues coming in. Trust me, yeah. I got this. trust me, I got this it The state has no fiscal <laughs> plan michael and it's just it it is it is one of the most frustrating things that you know in 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 my entire time dealing with this that i've that i've that I've come across you know in previous in previous budgets it was we're going to cut spending in FY21 we're going to talk about we're going to talk about substitute revenues we're going to talk about new revenues that can substitute for for PFD cuts we had a plan now getting it through the legislature was something else but at least we had a plan for how we were going to do this now we have no plan we have absolutely no plan it, the governor has has essentially given up on on trying to legitimately with real numbers Balance the Alaska budget, and he talks about you know we're gonna we're, we, the the ten year plan has you know full statutory PFDs. There's just no way. Well, given given what his re, his own revenue department
2: is, saying. he's and he's trying to have his cake and eat it too, right? He puts up this bestseller, fictionalized bestseller of the new revenues coming in, and then on the other hand, he puts up the four thousand dollar PFD. Now, I look, I applaud him for the PFD, but you can't have it both ways. He's trying to appease everybody. That's the thing. He's gone from. The, uh, the the person that made everybody mad over the whole 2018 budgetary process and the sky is falling and it's the apocalypse to let me please everybody all the time. You get the $4,000 PFD. We get these fictitious you know, carbon offset credits and tax credits and everything else. I mean, it's it, – you you can't do it. It's impossible. It's got to, it can't be. It's got to be one or the other at this point. And we know which way they're going. Like you said, he's just painted a huge target on the PFD to have
1: Alaskans taxed for more of their PFD. So when 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 you sit here and you go, I want to support the governor. I want to support the governor's fiscal plan. I want to I want to be an advocate for the what the hell fiscal plan is there? I mean, wh- what what can you be an advocate for? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great to have to have the, these carbon revenues, but not but not even not even the Department of Revenue is willing to sign on for numbers behind those carbon carbon revenues. And without them, all you've got is is PFD cuts. And and that's not that's I mean, that's not a fiscal plan that works that. Right. That's that's using the mechanism that has the largest adverse impact on the overall well, Alaska economy and has the largest adverse impact on 80 percent of Alaska. families.
2: Well, and it's short term. I mean, because it can only happen for so many years before you've consumed it all, and then we're right back to the issue of,
1: well, we need more revenue. I mean, that's exactly where we're at. So you can't. There, there's no fiscal plan to support this time. I mean, there's there's nothing. He's he's put nothing out there that's realistic. I mean, as you say the the fictional the fictional bestseller. He's put nothing out there that's realistic to support. So it's, I mean, FY21, I was, that was a great fiscal plan. It was balanced. It was, we're going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of cuts. It was in the wake of the FY20 debacle. FY21, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. The, The fiscal policy working group, the legislature's fiscal policy working group picks up on that same theme a little bit of this a little bit of that a little bit of that. that's you know that's something that we can get behind yes we're going to take the pfd down to pomb 5050 but that's acceptable in the context of an overall of an overall compromise now we got nothing now, now now when you say the governor's fiscal plan in all honesty the governor's fiscal plan is pfd cuts only no spending cuts no alternative revenues pfd cuts only that is the governor's fiscal plan and that's yeah you know that's that, that's that's one hundred and eighty degrees distant from from where you know we started he started this administration uh, uh, four years ago.
2: Brad Keithley, Alaskan's for Sustainable Budgets. we're coming up on number two uh, brief synopsis for number two, Brad.
1: <laughs> brief, Can <I> do brief? <laughs> uh,
2: give me give me give me the snapshot here before we go.
1: Uh, the snapshot. the snapshot is James Brooks has been running a running a series or writing a series of articles and others been writing a series of articles about k-12 education about about the need for additional funding or the, the efforts for additional funding but they're leaving out one particular fact that i think is critical for alaskans to uh, to understand and uh, and and we're going to talk about what that fact is
2: they're leaving out many critical facts you're going to focus on one of them i think let me amend your statement there because they are leaving out many critical facts but one of them for sure all right brad keithley alaska's four sustainable budgets We're going to get more. We're going to be back right after this. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
0: The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. (laughs) Pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous streaming live every weekday morning on facebook live and (laughs) michaeldukeshow.com a new a new intro there
2: oh i got some new liners i'm gonna be they are funny as hell i just like
0: the michael duke show proudly splitting the left versus right dichotomy yeah i had to look that word up too i don't think it means what he thinks it means.
2: <laughs> oh, we had so
0: much fun. Uh, all right, uh, Brad,
2: uh, I, this is you know it, <clears throat> this is becoming an exercise in frustration. Um, I mean, we've been doing this for a long time, but To cover the same thing, uh, you know, and to point out the fallacies of what people are doing and then to watch them do it anyway and then scratch their heads and go, I don't know why we're in this fiscal crisis. I have no idea why we're in this fiscal mess is just the ultimate of frustration. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I just feel... Uh, sometimes I'm like I feel a lack of a little worn thin on this because how many times you have to tell people don't touch the stove it's hot and they lay lean over on it and put their hand down on it you know what I mean it's
1: that that's where we're at these days it seems like Well the the problem the, the thing that bothers me Michael is is there's no leadership now I mean as I say in FY20 we were going to cut all right let's cut that didn't work. FY21, we were going to use a balanced approach. All right, let's use a balanced approach. FY22, FY23, we were going to do POMV fifty-fifty and cut a little bit. All right, I don't really like this because we're not, we don't have substitute revenues. But okay, at least there's there's a plan for, for how we get there. Now we're in FY24, the FY24 ten-year plan, and there's nothing. There's nothing. There's these fictional revenues out there that that is the plan, um, and that's just. I, <laughs> There's no leadership. I mean, the yeah. the leadership is we're going to crash and burn. We're going to take the PFD down. Sorry, but I'm but I'm not going to talk about anything else. <laughs> yeah. And uh and and you know I'm going to make this stuff up. Somebody talked to me over the summer. Somebody button-holed me over the summer and told me these things are great. Um, sort of like you know <laughs> somebody once once talked to somebody about the LNG project. These numbers are great. Right. Um, and we're going to stick those in there for a while. I it's just um and the legislature the legislature is reacting in a way uh, you know you, you listen to Kathy Giesel talk about it well we're going to take this stuff seriously we're going to be deliberate about it because it has long term consequences yeah it has long term consequences and yes you need to be deliberate about it but the but since the alternative is pfd cuts and she doesn't care about pfd cuts in fact she kind of likes pfd cuts they're not going to they're not going to speed through they're not going to you know give give a, uh, expedited consideration to to this proposal because the alternative is PFD cuts and they don't care about them. Right. You know, if there were, if we had taxes, if we had substitute revenues sitting down there and and this program would back out those taxes, they'd be all over it. It would be, you know, let's get a special committee, let's focus on this stuff, let's get it through. But since the alternative, the only alternative the governor has given them is PFD cuts, the only alternative they have is, is PFD. They're fine with that. So let's take all the time in the world. Uh, to go through this world, to go through this program. It's just, there's just no leadership. The governor in the second term, you know, we talked at one point about, was he going to try to be a legacy governor or was he going to try to be, was he going to try to leave a legacy or was he, you know, going to start running for whatever he's running for in four to six years? This answers it. He's running for whatever he's going to run for in four to six years. Yeah. Tell Alaskan stories uh, you know, make up make up fiction And uh, and say everything's right with the world When in fact it's not
2: Right uh, DeShana says We had a special committee That was the fiscal policy working group And we had a plan And it was laid out And no, it was not going to make <clears throat> It was not going to make everybody happy In fact, everybody was probably going to be mad About some part of it um, But it was a pretty <gasps> It was a pretty damn good plan Overall And so not surprising That That uh, that they have now ignored it because they don't, again, here's the thing. This has been, in my opinion, Brad, this has always been about avoidance, avoiding the main issue. And I was talking about this yesterday with, uh, with Rob Myers. This has always been about avoiding the issue of spending. And Rob, Rob makes the point that, you know, what happens if we get new oil revenues? What happens if we do drill for more oil? Well, what happens is they spend all that money, too. Because we have not addressed the main issue. The boogeyman in the room, the 10 million pound elephant, is the fact that they will spend every dollar that crosses their desk plus some. There's no appetite to quell the spending in the state
1: of Alaska. Well, and 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 this certainly and 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 this certainly this certainly doesn't put a constraint on that because they have PFDs. I mean, they can just keep cutting the PFDs. So when the governor talks about we need nine hundred million dollars in four in four fiscal years in order to balance the budget, fine. We'll just take it out of the PFD. I mean, it's just they have the revenues. It, the revenues go through their fingers on the on the on the way to Alaskan families, just like your stock your stockbroker. The revenues go through his fingers from from your investments. The revenues go through his fingers on the way to your. On the way to your family, except in this case, the state's just you know got sticky fingers. The state's just Taking hanging on to that money on yeah. it on its way to you. So they've got the revenues. It's yeah. just it's just a question of of you know not having substitutes for those revenues, and and well, and as a and as a consequence, continuing to take the
2: PFD. And as a it is, and again, that's a short term fix. It's a nine hundred million dollar. Pretty soon, when you reach into the billion dollar territory, there is no PFD. And yet the deficits continue and they continue to grow. And so that means in the future, we'll be right back here going, well, we need some more taxes because we're you're not paying your fair share. You haven't paid taxes. That's how it works. Oh, good morning, and welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show continues. Brad Keithley, weekly top three. We're on a number two. I don't know if we're going to be able to squeeze all three in here, but I really want to. Uh, let's get to number two, which is the one thing that always gets left out. I mean, we you know, story after story, article after article, opinion piece after opinion piece, all on K through 12. And there's so much disingenuousness falsehoods outright blatant lies and even lies of omission in these articles but brad is zeroed in on one thing that is is missing from every one of them brad what uh, well
1: you're you're gonna go on about the other thing so i don't i don't need to worry about them i'm gonna be quiet about it i'm gonna let you just talk about the one (laughs) i want to get to number three so go ahead well, the one the one thing that really always bugs me is they don't talk about the consequences of who pays. Here's, here's what James has got in this particular story I'm looking at. Uh, it, it's a story from a few days ago talking about the education funding bill. And it says, barring an unexpected surge in the price of oil, which would lift state revenue, spending more money on schools would require significant immediate tax increases or spending less money on something else and the multi-billion dollar cost of the dividend is by far the largest piece of the budget. Based on the number of, and then skipping down some, based on the number of students enrolled in Alaska's K through 12 schools, a $1,000 per student increase would cost more than 130 million per year. That's roughly equivalent to $205 subtracted from the permanent fund dividend based on the number of recipients in 2022. All right, all of that is fine. He's talking about, If you don't, if you don't have some alternative source of revenue, then it's going to come out of the PFD. And here's the impact on the PFD. The thing that's always missing from this story is who pays, who, who, who's bearing the burden of that 205 million uh, of that $205. What's the consequence to Alaska families of that 205, uh, $205. And, and, and he, he misses the point he excludes the point that the burden falls hardest on middle and lower income alaska families and it is the revenue approach that has the largest adverse impact of all of the alternatives it's the revenue approach that has the largest adverse impact on the overall alaska economy it's it's it, it, the basic facts of yeah your pfd is going to be less but in the but in the scheme of things who's getting hurt by that what alaska's What Alaska families are getting hurt by that? What's happening to the economy as a result of that? Um, He's he's just skipping over it. And it's not like the facts aren't out there. The undisputed facts aren't out there. The 2016 ICER study and and the 2017 ITEP study tell you exactly who gets hurt by that and tell you exactly what the consequences to the Alaska economy is of that and tell you exactly how that compares to the impact of of substitute revenue sources to, to to meet uh, to meet the additional spending requirements or to meet meet the shortfall. It's not like the facts aren't out there. The facts are sitting right there. But for but for some reason, uh, uh, James's stories and other stories, the ADN's uh, the guilty of it as well. They never take the next step and talk about who's getting hurt by that. And so. You know, you have middle and lower income Alaska families that are sitting there going, "I oh, don't know, I guess we have to, you know I guess we have to pay it. No, you don't. There are alternatives that have a lower impact on you. There are alternatives that 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 spread the burden of that cost more equitably. there are there are alternatives that have a lower impact on the overall Alaska economy. We talk about the economy and the, and the importance of the economy and the importance of of doing things that support the economy. Well, there are alternatives. That have a lower imp- adverse impact on the economy and are better for the economy, and there there are things that that don't have the same consequence to middle and lower income Alaska families. So it's it, by missing by by excluding that fact, James is not giving Alaska families the full story. He's not enabling them to understand that there are that there are alternatives that would treat them better, treat the overall Alaska economy better. He's just leaving it at the at the blah. It's you know it's a two hundred dollars per per PFD as opposed to it's two hundred dollars per PFD. But if we did this, it would have a lower impact on eighty percent of Alaska families and be better for the overall Alaska economy. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that he editorialized that issue. There are facts in the 2016. ICER and 27 ITEP, report, ITEP reports that give him the factual basis to make those statements. Right. Uh,
2: but they keep missing that. Uh, again, it's only $200. And I mean, then everybody pays and that's how it is. But it does not look at the again, the uh, the ratio of impact to the various uh, Alaskans around the state. And again, Going back to the one lever that ICER said was not the lever to pull. Please don't pull. They had a big sign on it, it. says, please don't pull this lever. Please, please don't. And yet they continued to do so. Um, and that's part of the problem. Uh, and, yes, there's many other falsehoods and lacks and, and omissions in this article. But this is just par for the course. This
1: is boilerplate what we're going to see in the news for the rest of this session. And this this is the Kathy Geisel spin. I mean, this is the spin that Natasha von Himhoff and Kathy Geisel want the news to give. Right? They want the news to give the spin. Yeah, that everybody just have to pay essentially a head tax, two hundred dollars. Go on. That's that's how we're going to raise it. As opposed to as opposed to, hey, this is the worst alternative you could take for covering for covering these additional costs. There are alternatives. That would have a lower impact on 80% of Alaska families. There's their alternatives. That would have a lower pack, impact on the overall Alaska government. And you know, and and so you know, von Imhoff and and Giesel get away with their spin without because the news isn't giving the facts that the additional facts that provide the context to understand that we're taking the worst alternative, as you said, pulling the lever that that Icer said please don't pull.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And this is, again, this is the advocacy journalism that we're seeing these days uh, in the state. I mean, quite around everywhere, pretty much, but the state of Alaska, especially there is just there's no balance. I mean, we saw this on the defined benefits uh, article that was out yesterday. Five people all in favor and why it's all well and good. And one comment from Tom McKay as to why it may not work because of the funding mechanism of it and and the cost of it. But I mean, there's just there's no balance in anything that we're talking about. Um, All right, Uh, we're going to get to number three. Boom, right there. You got a bone to pick with the Alaska Policy Forum, which usually is pretty good in a lot of these things. Uh, And I'm not as mad as, well, I mean, I don't know if you're mad, but I'm not as, uh, um, uh, anyway, number three, go. Opinion piece from Eric Cordero uh, Georgiana over there at the Alaska Policy Forum.
1: So Eric, Eric's a, a friend. Eric's been on staff for, uh, for various legislators for a number of years. He's moved over to uh, the Alaska Policy Forum, and 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 I and I appreciate and and understand and support uh, uh, what he does. But this article is horrible. This article talks about, and we've talked about this report before. This is a report from the Tax Foundation, the DC-based Tax Foundation, that looked at at the consequence of the impact of an income tax or a sales tax on Alaska and talk about all of the adverse impact that it would that would have on Alaska families and talk about the adverse impact it would have on the Alaska economy. There's nothing in there, there the the PFD, the, the, the problem I have with the report is it doesn't compare it to the PFD. It sort of says, we've got this blank slate, we don't want to have taxes. Here's all the bad things that happen from taxes. It doesn't, it doesn't address the fact that we already have even more bad things happening because we we're we're using PFD cuts to fund instead, it doesn't it doesn't say it doesn't it doesn't compare the impact of the things that they say would be bad from from these additional steps. It doesn't compare those to what we're already facing. It doesn't compare it to the actual baseline. it It makes up a baseline that says, well, we don't have anything going on right now. So if we have taxes, it would be bad the the The, the, the correct analysis, the way an, a, an economist would look at this is, What's the baseline we've got right now? The baseline we've got right now is PFD cuts. Right, Taxes would be better yeah. than PFD cuts. Taxes still may be bad, but they're a better way of raising revenue. They're better for 80% of Alaska families. They're better for the overall economy uh, than uh, uh, than 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 continuing PFD cuts. And so this article goes through all sorts of bad things. You know, out-migration taxes would would worsen out-migration. Um, uh, it would add a grievous this means that New personal income taxes, voices on Alaskans, would add a grievous financial burden to those already struggling to get by. The PFD cuts are doing it all worse. Right? If taxes, if taxes have an adverse impact um, on Alaska families, it, it have an adverse impact on on outmigration. PFD cuts are having a a worse impact on outmigration. If taxes well, <laughs> would have uh, would add to a grievous increase on the financial burden, PFD cuts are even worse for the. And so it's 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 the lack of. Of reference to the baseline that we're already experiencing and comparing, you know, this step against that baseline that, that really, you know, well, uh, sends me off, sends me off into the stratosphere.
2: Let me tell you what the headline should read. It shouldn't read. Here's what it should. It reads personally. It says personal taxes on Alaskans would be harmful. What it should read is personal taxes on Alaskans would be harmful. And the PFD cut is a tax. That's what. Sh- that's what it should read. Because the PFD, and, and its whole argument would still be valid, except for now you're saying we're already being taxed at the
1: PFD. It's already happening. I mean, that should be the battle cry. But what they're trying to do, what, what, what policy form is trying to do is, is avoid referring to the PFD cut. They're just taking the PFD cut as a given. Essentially, the policy, the policy form has moved into the camp of, well, the PFD spending, so don't worry about that. What we, what we, what we don't need are new revenue items. And 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 they're trying to they're trying to ignore the PFD cuts and say, yeah, taxes are bad. Don't do taxes. Everything else, just just leave it the way it is. Don't layer taxes on top. When in fact, taxes substituting taxes for PFD cuts would improve Alaskans' lives. Would improve uh, uh, the the outmigration we're seeing. Would if, if all of this stuff they say about the adverse impact of taxes is is true, taxes would be better then continuing down the baseline we have of, of PFD cuts.
2: Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, Brad, for coming on board and being Michael part of it. Michael, as always, thanks that. for having me. We got more coming up. The Michael Luke Show, Hour 2 Dead Ahead, Common Sense Radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. Yeah, I mean, I can see definitely your heartburn with this article. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, again, that, that's the thing. They That's the one thing that you're, you and I agree on. They has completely avoided the fact he doesn't want to mention the PFD cuts. He doesn't want to talk about it. They don't want to mention it because it is all the things that he just said could be based into the argument of saying, well, yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. By the way, the PFD cut is a tax. So all those things you just laid out of how bad they are, they're happening right now. You know, this, I mean, that's a that's a full-on argument for getting a spending under control. Um, you know, changing the tax revenue, that's going to be a hard sell for many people. It still is a hard sell for many people because, again, many of us feel like if they just change it, I mean, yes, the 20% would be more invested, but they're still going to, I mean, people are, there's still such an appetite for spending.
1: They cannot stop themselves. But Michael, if we don't have substitute tax, we're, we're this state's not going to adopt spending cuts only, right? We yeah, found that yeah. out. Yeah, we tried. I mean, I'm I'm still in favor of it, but find me the people who will pull the lever to say yes. We 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 we, we tried that in 2019. It failed. So we're going to have some form of of new revenues. The question is, what form of new revenues we're going to have? And we audit, and 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 that ought to be a question that we focus on. What form of new revenues are we going to have? And there ought to be two big criteria. One is three big criteria. What's the impact on Alaska families of, of each of these revenue sources? What has the least impact on least adverse impact on Alaska families? What's the impact on the overall economy of the various revenue sources? Let's find the one that has the least adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy. And what's the revenue source that creates the greatest incentive for getting spending under control? We ought to find the revenue source that has that has the the, the greatest potential. For getting spending under control, and the, and, and the rev- various revenue sources have different impacts, as we've talked about, different impacts on creating incentives for um, uh, for spending, for getting impacts on on getting spending under under control. That's that ought to be the discussion we have. What this article is doing is assuming we've baked in PFD cuts, right? Don't worry, we've locked in PFD cuts. Let's not have any other form of revenue other than. PFD cuts. Let's continue to, let's continue to use PFD cuts because they're not arguing. This article doesn't argue. Let's get, let's do spending cuts only and have no revenues on top of and have no new revenues. All it's saying is let's not have these type of new revenues, leaving PFD cuts is the only source um, of revenues. And so what, what this article is really saying is let's use, let's continue to use the, 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 the revenue source that has the largest adverse impact on 80% of Alaska families has the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy, and has the least ab, uh, impact on getting spending under control because you leave the top 20% um, entirely out of it. And that's so. If you're going to write an article about revenue sources, and 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 just and leave out <laughs> and say, "Oh, these are these revenue sources are bad," and leave out the revenue source we're using that is worse than those, it, it's not an article that's it's not an article that's useful. It's not, an article that, it's not an article that's fair uh, Usually, uh, in addressing the current Alaska situation.
2: powered and sponsored. I, uh, you know, I, again, I, I have the same problems, Brad. That I, I mean, I agree. If we're going to have a conversation, we need to address and talk about the best revenue sort, the best taxation possible. But again, I am still not convinced, and I think many people are not convinced that once we have another revenue, they won't still continue to cut the PFD. I mean, where's where's the guarantee? I mean, that's the problem. That you, I mean, the, and I agree with you. I mean, I think a flat tax is the best of all tax options. I think that if we're going to look at revenue sources, that's probably where we need to be because it hits everybody equally. But again, what is the stumbling block for them to not say, oh, well, we can do that. And then we can offset some of those taxes with a PFD cut. And so it doesn't hit every. So instead of a two percent or three percent flat tax, it'll be a one and a half percent flat tax. And we'll take the
1: rest from the PFD. So what's the you know, what's the. That would that would still be better off. We'd still be better off with that, by the way. I mean, a flat tax for any portion of the PFD replaced by a flat tax or any other form of taxation is better for Alaskans. Than strictly using than strictly using pfd cuts but michael the answer the answer to that question is is the spending cap right i mean it's it's the it's the answer that the that the administration came to in the fy 21 10-year plan it's the answer that the that the legislative working group fiscal policy working group came to you know two years ago it's include a spending cap as part of the overall picture now you can't you can't just do a spending cap and still leave the pfd out there the pfd cuts out there dangling that doesn't work but, you know, as part of an overall plan to add in that additional guarantee, then you add on a spending cap and that and that locks in the the guarantee that you're looking for. Well,
2: again, <clears throat>
1: lots of moving parts. Again, my major fear is they do everything
2: except for put the spending cap in. And then, you know, I mean, right. I mean, that's, that's that it, you can't admit that that's not a possibility that they could do that and then put in some either don't put in a spending cap or they put in a spending cap that's so ineffectual it's basically useless. So,
1: so we've seen the solution. The solution then is continued PFD cuts. No, I, mean, I you 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 argue your way out of everything else, and and where does that leave us? That leaves us with continued PFD cuts from now until 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 the the end of time. Right. And and that and that's a solution again. That's a solution that has the largest adverse impact on the over on eighty percent of Alaska families and on the overall economy.
2: Right. Well, I mean, again, I'm, all the options are bad. Would you like the poop sandwich or the diarrhea milkshake? I would like neither. That's the problem, but I can't find anybody to support my idea of cutting the state government down to a sustainable level. So I mean, you know, so so
1: no so no alternative revenues. We'll just keep using people. We'll make up no, these fictional I, revenues.
2: No, we'll I'm just... with you, Brad. Don't get me wrong. I'm with you. We have to address this in some way. My, but again, we have to be prepared for the. We have to be prepared for what could possibly come down the road. And I think again, possibly,
1: this could. You know, we have to just be ready for any eventuality in that case. I don't disagree, Michael, that we have to take it into account. I don't disagree that we have to structure it in a way to make sure that that doesn't happen. I don't disagree that we have to have a, a spending cap that 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 works along with everything else. That's fine. But to continue to say we can't talk about alternative revenues because, oh, my God, this might happen. All that where that leaves us is continued PFD cuts. Year after year, after year after year I agree I I do agree with that on, I gotta relying go on on the I, absolute work
0: whoa buddy put that thing back in its holster we haven't gone anywhere I don't understand check out the Michael Dukes show.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal Fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Boy, we just, I, look, uh, Brad's still in the green room, so maybe I should bring him back just because we were just, we were, we were arguing here during the commercial break. Over and and I don't know if it was an argument that we were actually arguing with each other or at uh, at, at cross points. Uh, I'm going to bring Brad back on actually, just because I think this is this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> because no, I mean you're not wrong. This is the thing. So for just to set up some context, I was talking to Brad about the problem of you know what if we. Get a flat tax, you know, which is is the best form. I think we've all agreed. Well, maybe not you, not everybody. But Brad and I have agreed that if you're going to have to, if you have to, have, if you must have the gun pointed at your head, it must be the smallest caliber gun possible. And that's what we're looking at. The, the flat tax is a good tax. But I said, what is to say they don't get the flat tax? and then they're like oh look we got a flat tax oh and we could still take the pfd as well because that's still more money in the room and brad's like well then we do nothing and then what good is that if we've done nothing but I, and i'm not disagreeing with you we should not continue to have a cuts only or a, a a pfd tax only approach i think we should have a cuts only approach but we don't have anybody else that thinks the same thing that we do so brad and i were just arguing about it i brad i, I agree with you i i Of all the taxes, the flat tax is the good one. But I I think we just have to be prepared that if we do go down that road, they are going. I mean, you say, well, they have to have a spending cap. Well, but that's, 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 that's assuming that they'll do both. This legislature can't chew gum and tie their shoes at the same time. They want to work at one little thing at a time. They don't want to do a pass, an overall holistic approach of a spending cap and spending cuts and taxes and everything else all at once. They want to take just one bite at a time. And if we get a tax without a spending cap, we're in
1: trouble. Okay, so we just keep PFD cuts. I mean, that's... (laughs) that's That's yeah, not we're, what I'm saying. We're not, we're not going to try something else. We'll just keep doing PFD cuts and that, and, and we'll just, you know, just keep going down the <laughs> keep, keep doing, keep going down the hole. I'm not an absolutist. I'm not saying that we
2: have to. I'm just saying we should be prepared and maybe have a plan. I guess is what I'm saying, right? I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying is we we got to be prepared because past performance is indicative of future results. They have sucked up every available dollar in every room of the house. For years, and to think that we'll throw more money in there, and they're not going to do it, we have to have a plan to counteract that.
1: And the fiscal policy working group had a plan, Michael. The fiscal policy working group had a plan that was part spending cuts, part PFD, part PFD restructuring that resulted in PFD cuts, and part um, uh, new revenues capped off by a spending cap. They have a plan, and 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 for it, 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 it was frustrating to me. I guess the, the frustration is coming out here. Is to say, well, we can't really talk about the new revenue part of the plan because because people just get upset about that. Well, okay, fine. Then that means PFD cuts because we are not going to have spending cuts only. I mean, as much as some people might want it, as much as you and I might want it, we're not going to have spending cuts only. There will be revenues. And if we don't have alternative revenues, they're going to continue to be PFD cuts. So I yeah, we do have a plan. It's the fiscal policy working group plan. Let's 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 target that. And let's talk about what the best what the best piece of the the best new revenue uh, piece of it is. But, you know, to say we can't talk about new revenues is just. Oh, well, we, it, and
2: I agree with that. I mean, you have to discuss everything, even things that you find unpalpable. I mean, right? I mean, unpalatable, I mean, that's, it, nobody really wants to talk about it. But if it's gonna, if you're looking at the train coming down the track and you're about to get run over, you do have to discuss the best way to get off the track. I mean, whether, you know, even if there's no, it's a bridge and there's water on both sides, you still gotta talk about the uncomfortable things that we need to talk about. I'm definitely not saying that. Um, I, again, am still a fan of the cuts only approach. I, I agree with what Chris says. People, plenty of people think it's the that cuts only is the best solution. Only the special interests collectively disagree, which is true, but the problem is the special interests have got their hand firmly on the wheel. We can't, I mean, yes, I've been crying about cutting the government for 22 years on this radio program, and nobody's listening. I mean, that's just what it is, right?
1: I mean, Brad? We, we talk- Chris is Chris is listening. I we, we tried that in 2019. I mean, what happened? The governor almost got recalled. It took COVID, essentially, right. to prevent the governor from getting from ha- going through a, a recall uh, uh, situation. So, uh, you know, we've tried that. It's not. It didn't work. It's not going to work. We've tried electing new legislators. It's it keeps getting worse, uh, in, instead of better. It's time to face up to the fact we're not going to get spending cuts only. If we ever get spending cuts only, it's because the top 20 percent will finally, the the donor class, the, the 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 lobbyist class will finally get engaged to push back on spending. It's it, we're not going to get spending cuts only. You know, just with the with the PFD sitting out there as the as the alternative revenue source. So, you know, if we don't, if we're not going to talk about alternative revenues, we're not going to talk about substitutes for PFD cuts as part of an overall plan part of an overall plan let me let me let me add that phrase maybe that'll help um uh, if we're not going to talk about substitute revenues as part of an overall plan then we're just done i mean we're done we you and i are going to be bitching about pfd cut can i say that anyway you and i are going to be complaining about pfd cuts all the way to the to the end of of my life certainly and 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 beyond that so it's I, we we either talk about something that's a realistic better way right to deal with Alaska's fiscal situation or we just accept that we're going to have the worst and keep on going, keep on going down that road and saying, so, right. Oh, well we, we tried, didn't work. Yeah. Too bad.
2: Yeah. Well, and we did try cuts. I mean, Chris says that we did not try cuts. We did try cuts. Now Dunlevy did fold like a house of cards. I mean, he rolled over a wet on himself fast. There was a recall. It was again a full court press from the from the uh, from the fifth uh, from the fifth estate. You know about sky is falling and dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, and all that kind of stuff. But we did try it, and there was such a huge pushback from the special interest. They garnered the day. That, I mean, I think anybody is terrified to talk
1: about the cuts only approach now. Dunleavy didn't couldn't even get sixteen. When, when when push came to shove, at the end of the day. Dunley, he couldn't even get 16 to back him up for the level of cuts he proposed for the level of cuts it would take to have a spending cuts only there you, you you look at the even that legislature had had 16 conservatives 20 conservatives in it he couldn't get 16 of them to back him up on the level of cuts he was proposing everybody was going yeah cut everything else except my deal right and by the and by the time you have you know the 20 or 25 legislators all say or the 16 legislators all saying that cut everything except my deal there, there wasn't 16 there to back up the level of cuts he needed
2: yeah well i think you know we again articulating the plan and yeah going back to the fiscal policy working group i think it is a plan uh, I, I think it's a i think it's a workable plan the house has said the house majority has said they're going to use that as as a roadmap to go forward um and, and do that but we do have to have i mean I, we're going to continue to talk about Other tax revenues. We're going to do it on this program. We're going to talk about it. I may not like it. I may not be happy about it. I may be fearful of what happens when you give them more revenue. But if we don't, I mean, if we don't at least discuss it, then what's going to happen? They're going to continue to take the PFD. And what will happen in five years, there will be no PFD left because they will have consumed it all. And they will have grown the size of government to continue to consume it every year. And it will be gone. It will be a non-entity. And then as it continues to grow, well, then they'll start talking about taxes again. And because we refuse to discuss the best option and the way to do it, we're going to get steamrolled yet again. So while I disagree with Brad in the one aspect, I agree on the other because we if we had of a plan if we had a plan and a plan that could do it and we had the people to be able to put it through like a spending cap and some of these other pieces and a holistic approach we could we could do that i mean right we could we could take another crack at this with uh with other revenues and at least see what
1: happens i mean what's the you know see what happens that's what the fiscal policy working group did i mean they 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 sat down you had ben, everybody from ben carpenter to jonathan christ tompkins on the on the committee jesse keel on the committee uh you had conservatives and the, uh, the right of the legislature the left of the legislature uh and they agreed on this plan that included some some alternative revenues to replace uh to replace pfd cuts the governor's fy 21 uh, 10-year plan had that same approach a little bit of this a little bit of that a little bit of something else so that no one Entity takes takes the hit, uh, and 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 that's what it's gonna. That's what that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna need to do. So, yeah, you you and I can argue about you and I can argue about this, but in the context in the context of an overall plan, in the context, let's just take the fiscal policy working group plan as a given. in the In that context, in the in the in the, in the context of an overall plan, we're gonna need alternative revenues as part of that. If we don't have alternative or substitute revenues as part of that, it's going to be pfd cuts. I mean, it, it that's the problem with the spending cap. You can you can set a spending cap, but if you don't solve the pfd situation, what's going to happen is they're just going to take, you know, pfd cuts all the way up to the spending cap and the things that are outside the spending cap like like the capital budget and other things, they'll take the pfd for that too because right. they won't have any substitute revenues. So, substitute revenues have to be part of of any plan and, for, and, to, and to pick on them and say, we're not going to do substitute revenues, then we're just right. saying, okay, BFD cuts all the way down to the end.
2: Well, and I agree with that. I, I would agree that you have to discuss substitute revenues. I mean, and from a personal standpoint, if I, could wave a, if I could wave a magic wand today and say, you know, put into place, you know, we have to have the same revenues and everything else, but put into place. If I waved a magic wand and had a 3% flat tax today, uh, I mean, my family... We would be well ahead with a 3% flat tax versus a PFD cut because, I mean, they're taking, uh, you know, they're taking a good 9, 8, 9, 10% of our overall income based on just taking the dividends, right? So a 3% flat tax would be great for my family. Um, but again, my fear is they take the 3% and yet they still carve <laughs> into the other one. So, but All it, right. So it's, so it's got to be in the context of the overall plan that includes a spending cap. Exactly. Right? It's got to be. I mean, that's the thing. We, we've got to we've got to find that whole story. I don't know how and, you. And,
1: and here's ahead. the. And so back to where we were in segment three, here's the problem with the Alaska policy forum piece. It doesn't talk about uh, alternative revenues in that context. It just says right. alternative revenues are bad. We can't. Oh, we can't have those because they'd have a bad impact on the economy. What they don't say is in the context of an overall solution, they'd, be, they'd actually have a positive impact on the economy because they take away they take away the worst alternative. They take away some of the worst alternative, which is PFD cuts. So it's it, it's a misleading piece. It's a misleading argument that the policy forum is putting out there by just focusing on that particular piece and saying, that's bad. We can't do that. Right. We have to do that right. as part of the overall plan. I agree with that. I agree. All right. Well,
2: thanks for sticking over and arguing with me, because that was fun. Uh, but I mean, again, even though I disagree with the principle of taxes in general, I mean, I, I think that's just a generalized taxationist theft. And I agree. But we're already being taxed. So we have to discuss all the options that are on the table as un, as distasteful as that may be. And as much as that may rankle your libertarian slash conservative slash Republican feathers. We still have to talk about it, the pros and cons, at least have a discussion about it. But we're going to um, we're going to have to see. I I mean, I at this point am doubting whether there's the political will to even take up the fiscal policy working group plan. There may be in the House majority, but now you've got the minority plus the plus the Senate and everything else. It's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very, very difficult. Plus
1: the governor. I mean, the governor's often is, you know, fantasy world of. Of uh of, of these carbon management revenues solving the yeah. entire problem. So yeah. the governor's gotta get governor's gotta re-engage. Well, it's uh an interesting conversation, if
2: nothing else, and uh one that I think we will continue to have. So, Brad, thank you so much for coming on board this morning and joining us. Folks, we gotta go. Uh Chris Story's up next, the Michael Duke show. We need the positivity now because Al. We're going to be back with more of the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based,
0: free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free, like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Okay, uh, in the chat room, <clears throat> in the break, in the break and the chat room, we do have one line on hold, but let me get caught up here real quick. Um, Harold says, I sure miss Dan Fagin." Well, why don't you go listen to Dan Fagin? Because all the nonsense that you spew all the time is, well, I know now why a lot of people block you. Um, blaming Kevin for su- it, saying Kevin supports my position simply because I used a soundbite is the baseline of false logic. You are the poster child for false logic, I guess, in that regard. But, hey, <clears throat> I'm sure Dan Fagan's streaming somewhere. Feel free to go ahead and listen to him if you'd like. You don't have to be here. Nobody's twisting your arm. Unless somebody is twisting your arm, in which case, that is the best form of torture. to listen to something that you completely disagree with. I love it. I love it. I'm happy to be your torturer for today. Yes, um, define benefits testimony today. Don't forget to call in 9 a.m. to the Alaska Senate Finance Committee. Tell them hell no. Um, and uh, there's all the stuff. No bankrupting our state. Wednesday at 3 p.m. They'll take testimony for the state budget. Uh, all right. So there you go, Bert. Uh, I don't know what the number is, but you'll have to go find it. Uh, do your do your homework. At least Dan was consistent. Oh man, Harold is begging to get blocked today, aren't you? You're just begging to do it. Go ahead. Um, yeah, no, feel free. Uh, feel free to uh, spin that dial, brother. Spin it hard. If you don't like it, mm, that's right. Nobody. Oh, man, let me go back to some of the other grow the private economy, says Donna Ardwin. Yes, I'm all about that. I mean, that's that's why I'm having such a hard time with this whole concept. Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. Uh, and again, Chris is Chris is just emulating my fears here or get a three percent flat tax. They continue to tax the PFD anyway. I mean, that's exactly that's exactly the problem. Um, um, going back up here. Uh, okay. I think we're, I think we're back to the end of the last, back to the end of the last segment here. Okay. That's it. That's it a lot. Okay. Uh, Look at that. Chris Story is ready to join us. Before we join Chris is on the line right now. I do have to go over to this call real quick because they've been on hold for a bit. Hold the line for just a sec. Chris, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Are you there? Oh, uh, I'm sorry, caller. I had you muted over you know, here. You
4: I just got to say, you never hear a politician worried about uh, let's see, taxation without representation would be one of them. And, you know, if they'd stick to that, probably a lot of that pork and all of those lobbyists and all of those people that are causing all this problem would uh, not be involved, but they don't. And, uh, you know, the, the whole deal is, is government was created in the first place to take care of the public, and all they do is take care of themselves now. They're greedy, and there's an old saying, he who holds the money is the winner. And once they start holding your money, they're the winner. They're the only ones that are going to win. You're going to lose your PFD. You're exactly right. You're going to you're going to go bankrupt, and they'll do it until you just have nothing left. And uh, it's a sad thing with government this, these days. They just don't seem to care. They don't. You know, they're sitting on millions of acres of land, which I've said all along. We want people to pay taxes. Taxes on it. You know, make it so people can have land and start businesses and, and invest the money back into the people uh, type of deal. But they don't do that. They invest it in out-of-state people. And we've got people coming into Alaska with out-of-state money to get people elected with, with uh, you know, rank choice cheating and stuff like that. Right. Um, It's just amazing if you look at the whole model. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff,
2: I'm going to ask you to.
4: Jeff, I'm going to ask you you to hold on. uh,
2: Jeff, I'm going to ask you to hold on and call back at the end of the hour because I'm out of time. I got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. welcome back to the program thanks for continuing uh uh, with us today chris story is about to join us the man from homer he uh, comes in to give us our weekly dose of positivity let's jump over there right now and see uh what he has to say we haven't got a chance to say hi to him yet this morning good morning sir how are you doing
3: Good morning, Michael. On top of the world, right where I belong.
2: Right where you belong. Well that's that's good to know. It's it's all Hey, what's uh what's happening what's what's your what's your I could join you can join me here. I don't I yes, I could. I could <laughs> join you there. <laughs>
3: I didn't uh, say it like that. He yeah, didn't say it like I was whispering it into your ear. You I could, say, you're you, welcome you, here.
2: He's like, You could join me here. We have cookies. Um, all right. Uh, Mr. Story, what is uh what's on your mind today, brother? What is uh what is your topic for today's dose of positivity and life coaching? Where where are we sitting?
3: I woke up this morning thinking, How can I make your life? Better. And I All thought right. the answer just came to me quickly. I know what everyone wants. Not what fifty percent, thirty percent, forty percent, eighty percent of the people want. I know what everyone wants. And okay. that, that's a pretty big deal. If you know what everybody wants, right, hello, you can't miss.
2: Right. You're omnipotent at that point, right? I mean you're mm-hmm. omnipotent and omnipotent. Uh what uh Impotent. so so tell us, Mr. Impotent. What is the, uh, what does everybody want? Tell us, give us the secret. The secret.
3: Art Williams actually said it. He he started, um, so Art Williams was a football coach, and he went from coaching, successfully coaching football teams to running a business, and he ran an insurance business. He started in 1977, and he made his goal to beat Prudential which was huge. They were the major global company in life insurance at the time in 1977. So Art Williams took them on and he had a motto and that was this, everyone wants to be someone. And how do you guess what everyone wants? Everyone, I don't think that's even, I don't think that's a uh, hyperbole either. I think it's actually very, very true. You have people in your chat room that desperately, by referencing other talk shows, want it to matter. He right. wants to be someone, right. and, th- and that's okay. That's that's his prerogative because that's what everybody wants. Everyone wants to be someone, and so there are three things that I think everyone actually secretly wants, or or openly wants, and and art. Outline it beautifully. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. So, do right. you, you want to know what the three things are? That I, Art Williams said. I do
2: want to know what the three things are that everyone wants. And I would agree that again, to be somebody, to be, to have, to make a difference. I guess to be recognized. I think that's all. I think that's pretty universal.
3: Yes, agreed. uh Some people call it mattering. You know, everyone wants to matter. Everybody wants to be someone. Is how Art put it, and I like that. So, okay, the founder of AL. Williams, the, one of the largest private insurance companies ever to have been formed by an individual and uh, knocked out all of his major competitors, he said, you want these three things. Number one, you want to be your own boss. You want to be your own boss, uh, owning your own time schedule, the choices of your day, the choices of, of what you do, where you do it and how and who you do it with. That is fundamental to all human beings. I had a job when I was nineteen, and I remember when nineteen through twenty-one. I guess I've been self-employed since I was twenty-one, and so I to this day I feel like I'm unemployable. However, I remember feeling on the job like I was my own boss. That's what got me through an eight-hour or twelve-hour day was feeling like, oh, I'm I'm in partnership with this company. I'm actually I'm running my own business here, and in my mind, I brought that to to the job and i think that's that's something that each of us can do no matter what you're doing or who you're working for if you treat it like you're self-employed you're an entrepreneur and you show up here by choice it it can make all the difference in in not just perception but actually maybe even how you show up to a point where other opportunities and doors open for you by being literally your own boss even on the job working for that guy
2: so everybody wants to be their own boss that's number one yes okay yeah Uh, i and And, i and i agree with that uh, because again i came from a family of entrepreneurs i always wanted that even as why i always had some kind of side hustle even while i was working a full-time job because i wanted at least in some aspect of my life to be my own boss in that in that i think that's why side hustles are such a big thing especially in america because you know it is the land of entrepreneurship and opportunity and that's what people aspire
3: for. Exactly. And you get a taste of it, even if it's as Jim Rohn had admonished, work full-time on your job and part-time on your future fortune. So that part-time future fortune could be investing in real estate. It could be starting some other enterprise. It could be uh, your own radio talk show uh, out of New Orleans, whatever. You can work on the side. You can do part-time future fortune work even while you're working full-time for that guy and i submit to you you'll show up better in your job if you're fulfilled in either recognizing your own your own your own boss and or you've got something on the side where you actually are your own boss so i agree with you 100 percent I, I grew up the same way a.l williams paid their people in the form of partnerships you were not employed per se as much as you were a partner with the company, they recognized it, tapped into the fact that everybody wants to be their own boss. They city people that way, and they got they got people show up 200, percent and that's how the company exploded and just grew uh, into a billion dollar company. Right. Second thing that Art, what you said everybody wants is to work at something you love. To work at something you love, and this crosses into that whole purpose conversation or passion conversation, but I agree 100% that you can put the love into what you're doing currently, even if you didn't consider this to be your childhood dream advocation. Fine. Show up and put the love in, and you'll eventually get more in cash value than you're putting out in use value to your employer, or other opportunities will show up. But I agreed with Art 100% on this. We all want to work at something we love. This is why most people, when, they, when they've changed jobs or left one employer for another, rarely cite money. It's rarely about the money. It's almost always about the culture. It's almost always about the finding work that matters, finding something to do that I love. Even if it's a bit of a pay cut or a lateral financial move, finding something you love is just absolutely and aspirationally important to almost everybody.
2: Right. No. Okay. So doing something you love being your own boss, what's number three?
3: Build yourself, build for yourself financial independence, becoming financially independent. That's that's the American dream. That's just the essence of, of, of the, one of the planks of the American dream. I think it's a multi planked floor, but we'll just say that this is, in essence, the American dream, building yourself a financial independence such that you have choices. You have choices over your time. You have choices over your travel. You have choices over your health and your health care. You have choices in this world as a result of financial independence. And you get to determine what that is. To Warren Buffett, that's uh, $88 billion. To um, you know somebody else, it could be a million-dollar portfolio in real estate. For somebody else, it could be $50,000 cash in the bank a nice mutual fund fund growing at a consistent right. 5 to 8% per year, and some sort of a pension plan. Whatever right. it is, you get to define for yourself what that financial well, independence looks like. I but think, it's something we all want.
2: I think that's the interesting part because, you know, you listen to a lot of uh, self-help gurus like Chris Story and others, and you listen to them, and, it, and people always, oh, it's always some kind of get rich thing or do this, the other thing. And I think people misunderstand because I think that, I think you're right. I mean, financial independence is the key phrase there. It doesn't mean that I have to be a gazillionaire. It could mean that I just have an income of eighty to a hundred thousand dollars coming in every year. That I now have more free time to do the projects that I want or the things that I want to do. Uh, I mean, you know, if you if you ask, you know, what was what was financial independence for me, I'd be like, well, if, you know. If I was making $100,000 a year passively off something that I've done or businesses or things like that, I would be pretty comfortable. I would still be working. I would still be doing other things. But if I knew that no matter what else, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, that I've got $100,000 a year coming in, then, you know, I would consider that to be financially independent. If I had a portfolio, if I had all those things, I think people get stuck on the whole idea of, oh, well, not everybody can be millionaires. Well, I'm not saying be a millionaire. I'm saying... If you're making a significant, uh, you know, uh, amount of your income in a passive way or something that you've built that's spending that, I think that's that. I think you're 110 percent right on that. Financial independence is the one thing that I think people yearn for because there's only so much time, and if you didn't have to do the things that don't bring you joy, if you didn't have to do the things that were a slog that sucked up all your time during the day. Your days would slow down. It wouldn't be a fast week because you'd be doing the things that you wanted to do and you'd be uh, comfortable and confident because you have whatever the income level it is that you want, whether it's a hundred thousand bucks a day or if it's a hundred thousand bucks a year, you'd be comfortable doing it.
3: Yeah, I agree 100%. Money is so relative. The amount of money that equates that financial independence is a very relative term. And I agree with you that a lot of, of gurus and self-appointed gurus and advisors have certain metrics by which they'd measure your success for you or have you measure it, when in fact, it's personal, it's deeply personal. And that's why for years, I've always promoted this idea of personal return on investment. Instead of just ROI, make sure that you add the P and that you're understanding your personal return on investment. What is it that you wish to achieve? Speaking of Jim Rohn, he said, how do you go broke? Now, mind you, this was in 1984. How do you go broke <clears throat> making $10,000 a month? Spend 11. <laughs> so, you know, how can you get rich making $10,000 a month? Right. By spending four? You know, I mean, there's it's all relative. What if, right. you, you know, so recapping, being your own boss, working with something you love and building for yourself, financial independence. If you could combine those three things into one philosophy that allows you to show up in your life where you say, I'm here by choice, doing what it is I want to do, you that's wealth in my book. Speaking of my book, The Backyard Millionaire, do you remember in the end, spoiler (laughs) alert? In the end, the, the 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 main character made a choice much different from his mentors. And his choice was to own four homes. His mentor owned thousands of units. He made a choice and said, look, for me, my definition is to own these four homes, which is the very definition of becoming a backyard millionaire. If you own four homes, by definition, you have a net worth of a million bucks at some point. So the point is, it's personal, it's it's selective, and you get to be your own boss in choosing what you want to aim at for your financial independence. Okay. I say, go for go for broke and, and uh, see what happens.
2: So break it down Barney style for me here. Um... How do I implement these three things? How do I apply these three things? be your own boss, do something you love and achieve financial independence? How do I how do I how do I in, implement that in my life quickly here?
3: If okay, if you're not already running your own business, go get a business license instantly go get a, a business license. I don't care what it is or what you call it and and instantly you'll become a business person. Even if you're an employee, move yourself in your mind from employee to business owner today. And then order business cards with your name and contact information, your business name, and instantly you're in business. If you do not open a business, you do not have a business of your own, it's hard to see yourself as your own boss and self employed. So I say go start a business today. I don't care what you're doing or how you're doing it or how much time you dedicate to it. Instantly shift your mind and attitude from employee to business owner do it today and then shift from business owner into investor and so on all the way through the gamut, all the way down to you built your own financial independence and freedom, but it starts with your attitude. Right. And so one of the best and easiest and fastest ways is spend a couple hundred bucks for the state of Alaska. That'll make Brad happy. That's revenue <laughs> new for the state. And now you're helping the, yourself, but you're also helping the world because you're about to become financially independent if you aren't. And if you already are, then I say challenge yourself to grow a little bit further or help some other people reach down the ladder. If you're listening to this go, man, I'm so I'm so financially independent, wonderful. Reach down the ladder and help somebody else up. So those 80% Brad consistently talks about and, and defends every single Tuesday, uh, that 80%, let's build up from the bottom to a right. point where taking a couple hundred bucks out of their dividend, not a problem. Become a business owner today. And work at something you love, even if it's part time and build yourself your own financial independence.
2: And hey, newsflash, that first step is even easier than you expected. I went to renew my business license last week and the state wouldn't take my money there's they've got some yeah. kind of federal covid grant so you can oh. basically get a business license for free i mean i we're tried i tried to
3: going broke as a state i know i tried to money. give them my
2: money and they were like nope i'm like I, but where's that nope yep. it's 0 dollars have a nice day here's your license yeah. i'm like yeah you want to go start a business license now's the time to do it baby now's right now yeah exactly yeah so got it. but i agree i agree take that first step and even if it's just building widgets for etsy or for a for, for yard sales or for craft shows or whatever, whatever you're doing, go get a business license and start putting that mindset to work. It is, I mean, the more that I put that mindset to work in my life, 25, 30 years ago, the more I started to think along those things. And it took me a while to actually get to a full blown, full on corporate blah, blah, blah. But the whole time I was thinking about it and I was working it and I was, I was trying to be the, the, you know, the proper business owner and that kind of achievement Man, it gives you some fulfillment. It is the best thing ever. So uh, Chris's book is called The Backyard Millionaire. He also has a new uh, so, new show coming out and some other things that I got a chance to sneak peek. Sounds really good, by the way. Um, and you could find him. Find out about everything that he does at ilovehomeralaska.com. And uh, you can go over there and you can pick up a copy of The Backyard Millionaire. If you can go to Amazon, you can go to Audible and get the audiobook version of it uh, and just enjoy yourself. Um, Chris Story, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. uh, I appreciate you being here today.
3: My pleasure. Great thrill. Thank you, Michael. All right.
2: Uh, Hold on a second. The Michael Duke Show continues. We got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. We're going to open up the phone lines up next. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back right after this.
0: Streaming live every weekly morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukeshow.com.
2: Okay, in the break right now, Chris. I mean, I, I did have to laugh because here we are in a crisis in the state and everything else, and I literally mm-hmm. tried to give them money when I renewed my business right. license, and I'm like, "Where's the? I can't. Yeah. Where's Where's my credit card? I got to put this."
3: Stuff I in. think isn't it uh federal COVID dollars?
2: I think it's federal COVID dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's still yeah, that's really what familiar. I heard.
3: It, which yeah, six seven trillion bucks, and um, you can see, yeah. Anyway, yeah, but I wanted to share a quick story. Do you mind if I share no? Absolutely, story? go ahead. You mentioned craft fairs, and it prompted and just ignited in my mind a memory of when I was a, a full-time potter traveling all over the state, selling selling pottery at all the different craft shows. I would, and this is what I did for a living is what we did uh, financially. It was 100 of our income. But there were people at the Sullivan Arena and the Egan Center and the high schools, uh, the auditoriums where all these shows were going on. I knew one family in particular that I love their story and I told it many times. They were both school teachers and they, as a family, every evening and weekend would sit around cutting out pieces of plastic that you melt in the oven and com- and making little pieces of jewelry, pendants um, and little, little small earrings and little pieces of jewelry and, and puffin shapes or bears or all very Alaskan type things and they would melt them. They were really quite beautiful. Um, but it's that very simplistic, childlike cutting with scissors and stacking these little pieces of plastic, baking them in your in your oven at 125 degrees or whatever. You know the stuff right, you right. did as a kid. But yeah. they they took it to another level. It was really quite beautiful. The shrinkies. Little, little
2: they were called clips. shrinkies. Yeah, right, right? shrinkies. Yeah.
3: I think you're right. And then they would put the little clips on the back, and they made every time we do a show together, I would watch and I would observe their sales. They were making three to four thousand bucks a weekend on the side and that made that's that's huge it's a big deal and what they gave up was just some television time oh no they didn't because they had the tv on while they were working as a family around the dinner table actually converted into a widget factory making all this extra money and so i i always think back to that and go wow you know here they are their own boss they were doing something they loved in right. school teaching, but also they did this, they loved their artwork, and they turned it into a business and built financial independence, irrespective of whether or not the, the union was able to get them a, a monetary raise that next year or not. They'd already made their own raise, and they were making their own way in the world on the side. I love that story. That family was just wonderful.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, and that's that's that could be something as simple as that. Find a need and fill a need, and there is a way to yep. do it. And build that little empire up to something big or just keep it small if you want. If you want, if you're happy just doing that and you're putting away, you know, if you're doing 20 weekends a year and you're putting away three grand a weekend, that's a nice little nest egg that you can put away every year and make sure, you know, that comes back to that financial independence, and that freedom of if the car breaks, you don't have a, you don't have an intellectual meltdown because you don't have the money to fix it. You know what I mean?
3: Exactly. Precisely. Yep. I agree, hundred yeah. percent. So, thanks for letting me share that. It's just that it's, it's a story that inspires me, and I think in terms of when I'm doing projects on the side, I think about that family. I think yes, they they're they're what a guiding light, what a great example.
2: Yeah, well, I agree, and I appreciate you coming on board. Uh, I think it's inspirational the things that you talk about, and I mean I appreciate it because it again it reminds me of that backstory, and I think this is this this story today of everybody wants to matter, everybody wants to be their own boss. You know, working at something you love, even if you don't love it, find something to love about it, take ownership of it. Mm-hmm. And then that financial independence, yeah. I think that is the super important.
3: And uh, I agree. And then and then how about offering Harold a a segment?
2: Yeah, well, it'd be, the phone lines are always open. He can always call in. <laughs> Ever uh, call in uh we had him, we interviewed him one time when he was running for uh okay. when he was running for office. We interviewed him one time. Uh Oh, okay. Maybe but uh he, you know he's just he's just
3: pulling your pigtails, Michael. Oh, think yeah. About that. That's just, all he's doing, pulling your pigtails. It's the he
2: Molotov cocktail into the crowd. That's what it is. So, something like that.
3: Yeah, Fagan, that was classic.
2: Yeah. Uh-oh. Because Fagan was so good. So good. Um all right. Um all well, right, thank, you. thank you my friend. I appreciate it. It's good to talk with you. We'll talk to you again soon. Catch you later. Bye. All right. Chris Story, the man from Homer, uh, our guest uh, our guest today here on uh, the Michael Duke Show. We appreciate him coming on board and being part of it with us today. We like that. It's good stuff. All right. Um, here we are. We're getting ready to jump in. We're going to fire the phone lines up. Oh, my God. Jeff is still there. I didn't realize it. I just looked up and saw Jeff is still in the chat room. He... Was dedicated to have something to say today Uh, So we're going to talk about that Phone lines are open You can always call in 907-433-3150 907-433-3150 We would love to hear what you have to say Uh, Feel free to be part of it today And uh, man, I I love that Uh, You know, that stuff with Chris just reminds me of things That I need to keep my my focus on Keep my focus on And uh, I love that okay, all right y'all ready to uh y'all ready to do this thing let's uh let's get things going on here and uh jump back into it the Michael Duke show Ding. Let's get it done shall we? here we go Welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show, broadcasting across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. This hour of the program brought to you by your friends at Satellite West. You'll find them at satellitewest.com. From Chicknick to Chickaloon, from chicken to... I can't think of another CH. Kaktovic. Not the same, but you know what I mean. It doesn't matter where you go. They can keep you in contact, whether it's via telephone or text message, or email, or just surfing the internet. Whatever it is, Satellite West has got you covered. Uh, proud sponsors of the show today. Give them uh, go. Check them out at satellitewest, uh, dot com. satellitewest.com. Satellitewest.com. Um, all right, let's uh, let's uh, continue on here. We have uh, Jeff. Uh, I asked him to actually hold, and he did. He held on the line here. We were trying to get him on before the break and before Chris, but uh, Jeff is over in Homer. Let's uh, see what he has to say, uh, although he may not be in Homer. He is from Homer, and uh, he's down there right now. Hey, Jeff, what's uh, what's on your mind today?
4: Well, I just listened to you you and Chris. That was great. Um, thanks for leaving me on there. I was, I was glad because I can't listen to the show where I am unless I'm on my Oh,
0: okay. And, uh,
4: you guys were talking about being dedicated and him working, you know, these these people working for themselves want to work for themselves. I've worked for myself all my life as a guide, carpenter, whatever I've done, I work for myself. And you know, you you talk about ambition and, and all of that, that's what it takes. It takes you know, if people want to get out of that rut, you gotta get out of working for somebody else because that's all it's ever gonna be. And you know, listening to that was was a great great thing to hear. Um, more people should try to do that. You know, more entrepreneurs they make more money, they make uh, pay more taxes, you know, and uh, whatnot. But uh, and then you and I were talking earlier about the uh, state problem and the federal problem and all those problems. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's great to get out there. You find if you find something you love to do, as a guide for many years. I never worked a day, you know. Right, right. I uh, I got I to meet a lot of good people. Uh, this last weekend, I took uh, my my oldest boy's stepson out. He'd never caught a fish through the ice. He caught a fish through the ice. He's hooked for life now. You know, that's things that I've always done, you know, and you can be proud of those things because we made a fisherman out of that young, you know, and I say better to fish than take drugs. So, um, you know, we have always worked hard, my kids do, and I taught them that. I taught them skills, skills, skills. You cannot live on one skill. Some can, okay? You're a lucky one. You've got the skill on the radio, you've been there. That's a great thing. But I'm sure you got other skills you know, sure. through life. And, and uh, you can't, I meet people, used to guide them all the time, had one skill, worked at the belt factory, Delco Belt and overseas, they had no idea what to do. Lost. Um, so, you know, the best thing you can do as a worker or working for yourself is to have every skill you can find and learn it. Learn that skill. Don't pass it up. If you've got a chance to learn something, learn it. And if you're not learning, hmm, time to die. I always said, I learn every day. So. Right. You know, I, I think uh, what Chris was saying and you were saying is is a very good thing. Just it would be really nice if we could teach our government that.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that's,
4: that's for sure.
2: (laughs) No, that's a hundred percent for sure. If we could teach the government, that would be great. And you're right. Everybody has to have multiple skills. I mean, you got to have a multiple. Yes, I'm good at being on the radio. I'm also good at voice acting. I'm also good at selling. I'm also good at, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. You've got to have, you know, people should always have a plan B. Right. I mean, people should always have some kind of plan B just in case plan A goes gunny sack. you got to know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, and and, and, B and e. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no. And you can't just be just the you can't sure. be the guy that works at the factory that has one skill that uh, when the factory goes away, he doesn't know what to do. You've always that's why the side hustles and the entrepreneurship is so important. And
4: And to pass it down. My father passed that down to me, and my grandfather, mostly my father. My father was up there in Fairbanks when I was born in the military. He was, uh, he was always working on electronics. He was an electronics major. Uh, There's buildings in the Fort Gordon Signal is, is the new buildings are all dedicated to him. He pretty much was the head of the GPS from the start. He was always going to school, but he was always teaching school, and he was always teaching people things, and he taught me at an early age you can't get by on one skill and you got to know a lot of things about a lot of different things if you're going to survive the world today tomorrow and in the future and my grandfather was the same way and i've done it with my children and they're all you know I, i've come back here i couldn't be any prouder people saying boy you raised those kids good right I taught them to work i taught them skills you know i taught them that they never to learn skill and if they said dad do we have to be a guy like you no you be what you want to be you want, one's a great mechanic, one of the best. The other one's a carpenter, one's a social worker. But you know what? They did what they wanted to do, but right. they had the interest to do it. I didn't drive them to do anything they didn't want to do. I helped them. Right. The worst thing a parent can do to a kid is they can do something they don't want to do. Um, you know, and, and I said, you don't have to be like me. I was mowing lawns at 10, you know, and delivering papers and doing everything I could do. So, You've got to have that drive. You've got to have those skill sets. And, you know, as a young person coming up, I see so many people now, and I've had them work with me, that are way behind the eight ball. You know, 30 years old and still don't have a skill set that they need to do what they're doing, you know. And it's like I said on one of the projects I was on recently this summer, and uh, one guy was like 28, one was, 24, the other one's 32. And we were talking one day, and, and I, I asked how old it was, and they told me. And I looked at the youngest guy, and I said, You know, when I was your age, at 20, 24, I think he was, or something like that, I'd already built six houses and numerous decks and garages. I came out of a vocational school, plus grandfathers, uncles, and everybody around me were carpenters. And I had that skill already, all right? And I've learned many more since, you know, so it's, it's, it's a progressive thing. You can't right. stop doing it. You can't stop learning it. You can't stop, Right. you know, the next thing is coming, you know, you right. and I are going to die and, and there's going to be altogether new ideas, new yeah. things, new products. Everything's going to be new all the time doing this copyright piece. what do you think of this, Jeff? I don't know. I'll let you know in 20 years. I don't think it will be alive. But anyways, you see what I'm saying? It's a progressive thing. You have to progress. You have to do it. You know, and that's what this country's missing right now. That's what they need to do.
2: Jeff, thank you, uh, thank you, my friend. Gosh. Thank you so much for coming on board and joining us and being part of it today. I appreciate it. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think everything that Chris has been talking about this morning, and you were just talking about, we got to have that. We got to have the Plan B. We got to take personal ownership of what we're doing, because as we just pointed out for the first two hours of the show today, you know, we can't affect what's going on in the state in a direct way. We can put pressure. We can do that. We can control our own our own houses. We can control what we do, and that's what I think what we need to do. All right, my friends, we are out of time for today. We got to go tomorrow. Well, I'll leave it as a surprise because even I don't know who's going to be on tomorrow. I got a couple irons in the fire. We'll see what happens. Overall, be kind to one another. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Thank you, my friends. I appreciate you all joining us in the chat room today, especially you early birds like Mikhail and Brian. Thank you for coming on board. It's, uh, I mean, I just love it. I love interacting with you guys. Yes, sometimes even Harold. I interact with him sometimes, love that. Sometimes I hate it. But, you know, got to keep me humble. That's what it's all about. Drink North Pole coffee. I'm drinking my own coffee, Chris. Although, I do love me some North Pole Snickerdoodles. They have that at Costco down here, and I did, I admit, I bought a couple bags of that because that's some good stuff right there. You can't miss it. All right, my friends. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you for being part of it. Have a great day. You will have a great day.